Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business. We kick off the afternoon with the call. Uh, we take a look at 10 stocks plus a stock in the, uh, in the headlines. Put it to an expert panel for their adjudication. We do that all within 60 minutes. It's a lot of fun and incredibly informative. Team today, Rob Corlett from uh, Macro. Rob, welcome to Monday. Uh, David Novak from Wealthwise Education. David, good to see you as well. Um, just before we kick off, um, a view on the markets at the moment, general view. We're starting the earnings season, US reporting season in full swing. David, how are you seeing it at the moment? I'm a bit uh, cautious at the moment, Koshi, to tell you the truth, uh, particularly with the US market. I mean, we had a very strong uh, jobs monthly jobs report on Friday. You saw the bond yields move up, and the um, the tech sector, the Nasdaq, was uh, slightly down. The S and P was still up, and to a new record, and so was the Dow. So we're seeing records being broken here. So I'm just getting very cautious up here. I think we're well, <laughs> well and truly, uh, well and truly uh, due for a bit of a correctional pullback. So um, you know, the all eyes on the U S. right now, but also. Yeah. A market i'm just seeing you know some valuations up here are just nosebleed territory mm -hmm. so um you know we'll we'll find out this is this beginning of reporting season so it's going to be interesting yeah to see absolutely how, um, uh rob how, are you uh, as cautious uh i'd say we're cautiously optimistic um <laughs> you know there's there's not a lot out there to go and buy at the moment uh, based on those valuations that David just referred to. But, um, you know, we're, we're not selling uh, into it yet. We, we think that uh, we're positioning companies that are going to report very strongly uh, in reporting season. So um, mainly a big tick up in dividends coming out of the financials and the material space. So uh, that probably has a, an overweighted position in, in our client portfolio. So um, we're happy to, to sit on and wait for the reports to come out. But uh, post the announcements, uh, post the reports and post picking up the divvy, we'd probably start looking to trim back then. But for the time being, just, just hold on. We think we're in some good names. Mm, okay. All right. Let's uh, look at stock of the day before we get into uh, the stocks our viewers want us to look at. Uh, reporting season ramping up here, as I said, uh, Suncorp declaring um, um, coming out this morning, declaring a special dividend and a $250 million on market share buyback after a 42% pop in full year cash earnings. 
driven by sharp increases in its insurance division. On the payout, big boost up to uh, 40 cents a share compared to the pandemic impact at 10 cents last year with a special dividend of 8 cents uh, to boot. Looking ahead, uh, headwinds remain with the company saying while the operating environment has improved, the outlook remains uncertain, saying vaccinations are essential to reduce the frequency and the severity of lockdowns. Uh, David, what do, you, what do you think of the result and, uh, and the Suncorp share price at the moment? That was a great result. That's certainly reflected uh, in the share price today with that drop of uh, just over six percent. And you know the uh, the cash earnings uh, was up forty two percent, and they announced that special dividend, so forty cents uh, fully frank div plus eight cents uh, special div. So um, you know they 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 across the board. You know they particularly their uh, general insurance and banking was um, was great. I think consensus for the result was. 983 million. It came in at 1.06 billion, so that big consensus. And um, you know, with the dividend yield now, with the extra dividend, um, excluding the um, in the special, you're looking at a six percent fully franked yield, and not overly expensive when you compare it in this sector, the banking sector, insurance sector. So I think there's more upside here. Um, you know, it's it's certainly a great result and. They're optimistic about their forecast going forward, but the general insurance premiums was uh, also the one that uh, really kicked it along. Yeah, would you would you be buying at these levels? Yeah, I, w- I would be switching. Actually, to tell you the truth, I'd be switching out of some of the banks into into Suncorp, oh. uh, especially CBA. I, you know, CBA reports this week. It better be good. Um, you know, it's expected it will be with some kind of capital management initiative. But you know, if you look at comparatively, okay, it's you know. CBA is the biggest bank, of course, in the sector, but 2% yield or 2.5% compared to 6% and 22 times earnings. I mean, I see more value in Suncorp. So for me, it's a switch. Okay. Um, Rob, what, what do you think of Suncorp and the result? Yeah, look, the, the result was fantastic. Um, look, not that surprising, to be fair. We're, we've been very bullish on uh, the general insurance sector for some time now. In fact, anything that uh, you know is to do with um, you know taking advantage of a rising uh, yield curve uh, should be um, an outperformer through this reporting season. Um, you know. I love the um, on-market buyback that they announced at 250 mil. There, uh, it really took uh, got into vogue back in the days when Roger Corbett was running um, Woolworths. Uh, showed that that was probably the best use of uh, surplus capital for the long term uh, to actually reduce the number of shares that are on issue. So, in effect, everyone's uh, piece of the pie gets bigger uh, without doing anything. So, love the the fact that they've used that 250 mil there rather than trying to force an acquisition um, or just you know pay it out as um, extra dividends. It, it actually works better for if they buy the shares back. Um, look, we wouldn't be buying it at these levels, um, despite the fact that you're getting a, a 5.4% dividend, even if you did buy it at these levels. Uh, we'd look for some kind of a, a pullback post, um, you know, the announcement kind of getting out there and people, uh, other people taking some of their position off the table. Um, we'd prefer clients actually look at something like a QBE, uh, just for the fact that they've got international exposure where Suncorp is very much, um, you know, with only Australia and New Zealand. So we want to have that US dollar exposure at the moment. So QBE for us at the moment over Suncorp, but yeah, fantastic result. Uh, we'd definitely keep holding it if we were in it, uh, but we wouldn't rush out and buy it. We'd wait for a pullback before we bought okay. into it. 
Um, uh, David, just uh, if you if you look at the that um, that good performance in insurance, can you leverage that to say, gee, if Suncorp did well in general insurance, then QBE and IAG must be doing it as well. Like like Rob, um, Maiton Thomas and Darren from um, Deep Dive Analytics, he's been he's been keen on the general insurers for I reckon about four or five months at the moment, saying they're so ugly that they actually look quite good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, I, I agree with Rob there. I, I, look, I like QBE, except that a lot of their income, their investment income is driven by bonds or bond yields. And uh, at the moment, they're very low. So if bond yields continue to move higher, that'll be very positive for a QBE. So yes, in, in fact, of course, across the board, the general insurers, um, insurance generally just yeah, premiums are going up, so that is positive in the space. But with QBE, it's, it's it's mainly driven by their investment income as well. Like I said, the yield they're getting, which is not much at the moment, on on bonds. So if that moves up, that'll um, give it a kick along as well. So that's I'd be watching bond yields very closely for okay. um, leverage. Interesting. All right, let's get into the uh, stocks that uh, you want us to take a look at. And uh, Rob, uh, John wants a view on BHP, uh, the the resource giant. Share price down a bit today on the back of those um, uh, falling iron ore prices over the weekend and late last week. Uh, what's your view on BHP? It's been uh, had a great run, hasn't it? Yeah, look, um, we, we, it's done fantastically well. We're, we're happy to hold it through reporting season. We think they're going to come out with some fantastic results. Uh, look, iron ore prices have declined by about 19% over the last three weeks. So that's obviously put a bit of a, um, a hurdle on the, you know, the share price continuing to rise. But all eyes for us are on this dividend that we're, we're expecting them to put out there beating market expectations. Um, the full year divvy is um, looking at being around about 9.3% uh, in total, with this particular dividend alone being worth about 6.7%. So, um, yeah, we we understand that um, you know iron ore prices have been high for a long time, and it would be natural to have some kind of weakening in the iron ore prices. But um, not sure if well, we're comfortable to say that we don't think iron ore prices are going to collapse. Uh, from our perspective, this is just a very healthy pullback. Um, we would also just note that um, you know, China has been attempting to drive down the iron ore price uh, by imposing you know, certain tariffs on steel exports, as well as there's about seven provinces uh, that they're actually trying to influence to reduce their steel production. And if they can do that, then um, obviously demand for iron ore would weaken even further. So um, look, with all those things being said, you know, sure, uh, iron ore weakens a little bit but not significantly enough to change our long-term view on BHP. So we would be happy to get involved. Uh, so uh, to hold it or to buy it at these levels? Oh, we, we could buy it at these levels. Yeah, right. we could okay. buy If you didn't have it in your portfolio, we'd be happy to buy it leading into the announcement. Yep. David? Yeah, look, I'm with Rob on this one. This is a definite buy for me. Uh, look, these numbers, uh, just looking at the, the quarterly um, report, for June, and you know, looking at these commodity prices, um, mostly when you look at iron ore, copper, and crude. I mean, crude is up 68% from last year, June last year. I mean, you look at natural gas up 29%, copper up 82%, iron ore up 106%. Metallurgic, metallurgical coal was down slightly, about 5%. 
and nickel metal was up 41%. So across the board, I mean, they're, they're going to come out with a, a bumper result here next week. So I'm expecting a, a, a special div here and a capital management initiative as well. So I, I'm, I've got numbers of about 7.8% fully franked yield here. That's wow. what my numbers calculate. So, you know, when you consider that, this is the sector, the resource sector. Of course, there's a question mark with a sharp pullback recently in iron ore. But what people are forgetting, if you look at the long-term iron ore chart, I mean, you know, it's, this morning I looked at it, it's about um, 164 US a tonne. So that's come back quite sharply from 220. But that's still near 10-year highs back in 2011. So, um, you know, like Rob and I, we follow technical patterns and charting and Fibonacci to look at retracement levels. I mean, you'd expect if there's going to be a downside here, I'd say it's capped at around 125, 130 on the iron ore price. Now, even at that level, I mean, iron, BHP is the lowest cost iron ore producer in the world. So, you know, their margins are huge here. So any opportunity for a pullback in this sector, um, in, in the whole, I've, I've been bullish in the iron ore sector for some time, um, is a buying opportunity in my view. And I'm uh, not concerned about this pullback at all. I just see it as an opportunity to buy in this sector and BHP across the board here. Plus, it depends what they do, of course, with their their petroleum business, because there's talk about them selling that, um, you know, some numbers touted about $15 billion. So uh, Woodside could be a buyer for their assets or some other major uh, overseas giant. So uh, that's another factor as well. So uh, look, I'm very positive, very bullish on the sector and commodity prices generally. Okay, all right, great. Um, there you go, uh, John, thank you for that. Now, uh, David, Josh wants a view on Fluence Corporation. Now, Josh says, I feel it's truly misunderstood by the market. Cash flow and EBITDA positive with a pipeline of work and disruptive technology for the water treatment market. A multi-billion dollar market would appreciate the expert's opinion. As uh, Josh was saying, David, it is in that wastewater uh, treatment um, 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 uh, sort of sector. Um, it operates across 70 countries. I noticed back in April, I think we talked about it in April, it did a deal in uh, in China to be part of the, uh, the Three Gorges Group or the Yangtze uh, River Production Program to clean up the water there. Um, what do you think of Fluence? I often think, is Fluence sort of um, influenced by the uh, by the ripple of the Foslock issue, which is in a, um, a similar category as well and got into all sorts of strife? Uh, well, I, I don't know that much about, about it, uh, to the truth, Koshi, but I was looking at the company here and I do agree with the viewer here that in terms of... Um, their, their revenue was uh, $27.2 million, up 49% on the first quarter of the last year and 169% up over the second quarter of 2020. So, you know, and it's uh, mostly in China. China revenues was up 48%. So they've also got a backlog of, a strong backlog of um, work of $175 million. Now, this is a small cap company. It's only... Market value is um, 128 million. Now you can see it's been a horrible trend, this stock from uh, 2019. But it looks to me like it's finding some support here. It's basing, and it represents some good value down here based on these numbers. I mean, they've got 
uh, cash balance of 23.7 million as well, and 38 million, 38.4 million in uh, short and long-term liquid investments. So you know they're they're not short of cash, and the thing I do like is they're transitioning to higher margin revenue as well going forward. So that's a that's a positive, and um, so you know it gets a lot of ticks here for me. So look, I I like this. I I think it's a buy down here. Mm. Um, you know now. It's illiquid. That's the other factor I've got to point out here. It's, it's uh, you know, trades like um, $70,000 worth of stock every day. So it's certainly not going to attract institutional money, that's for sure. But for the small retail investor, I, I think it's got some upside okay. here, and especially with the increasing margin. All right. Uh, Rob? Yeah, look, um, I'm, I'm not sure if we're seeing eye to eye on this one, uh, unfortunately. We would actually lighten the stock from here. Um, and I think it comes down to, um, you know, the headline numbers do look very good. But if you look uh, a little bit deeper into it, you'll actually see that uh, the reason why their revenue was so high is because they hit uh, their third milestone on their Ivory Coast water treatment. Uh, now, that unlocked a $16.5 million euro payment, which is about $33 million Aussie dollars. So, yes, they'll cash flow positive in the quarter for about $30 million. <coughs> At 33 mil out, they actually had negative cash flow in the last quarter of about 20 million, which is pretty much in line with their first quarter numbers, where they were cash flow or had a cash burn rate of about 21 million. So consistent there outside of um, the injection of that extra payment. So what that means is, um, you know, yep, they've got a lot of cash at the moment. It's, it's 23 mil, but they're actually showing that they're burning up their cash at about 20, 21 million a quarter. So uh, we actually don't think they've got much longer to, to exist without either doing a, a capital raising program, which will be dilutionary to shareholders, or extending some kind of uh, debt facility, which should obviously incur uh, interest payments. So, uh, look, we, we acknowledge that there are some positives. You know, China has come out with their uh, another five-year plan, which committing another $50 billion in wastewater treatment through to 2025. Um, but there are some negatives as well. So, uh, as David said, it's a small-cap stock. It's highly uh, volatile. Uh, it was removed from the oil lords in March this year. Uh, it contains geographical and political risk with exposure to China, Cambodia, uh, Philippines and the Ivory Coast. And, and then obviously the big one for us is that if you go a little bit deeper into the, the, the revenue, you actually see it's a one-off payment. And without knowing for certain that they're going to be able to increase their revenue from uh, normal operating activities, uh, we, we couldn't touch it in portfolios. And if we had it, uh, we'd, we'd be recommending to clients that they sell it. Okay. All okay. right. Um, Rob, Helen wants a view on uh, Accent Group, the uh, big re retailing chain, the country's biggest footwear retailer, um, has about 20% of the market, owns things like Athletes Foot, Doc Martens, uh, Merrill, uh, Timberland, Vans, uh, Sorconi, uh, recently acquired Glue Group as well, the, uh, the streetwear um, retailer. So um, we, we like this company. Um, we would actually mark it as, as an accumulate at the moment for clients. Uh, good valuation from our perspective. It's got a, a price earnings multiple about 20 times compared to its sector average of 30 times. Um, we also like the fact that they've got this, um, you know, both online and uh physical footprint, this uh, omni-model kind of uh, footprint, meaning that um, you know if we get a reoccurrence uh, or a continuation of this current lockdown that we're in, they'll be able to provide revenue uh, from their online uh, digital footprint. However, uh, 
our thought is that when COVID is over, there'll be a short-term rush to people doing physical shopping again, just for the social aspect of it. And again, with their with their stores there, um, they'll be able to take advantage of that. I think they've got um, 50 new stores opening up, uh, mm. 68 athletes foot stores. Um, so yeah, we, we like them. Um, you know, we've still only got uh, 18% of their sales are online. So there's room for growth there as well. And as a typical, um, you know, model, uh, the, the margins you make on your online sales um, are more than your physical stores. So everything reads really well to us. Uh, 44% increase in EBITDA, 57% increase in net profits. Uh, we'd be happy to accumulate on any sign of weakness. Okay. Uh... Uh, David, what do you think of Accent? Yeah, I like it. It's uh, a good um, good return on equity, especially with the lockdown. It's been positive for the um, the company. You know, online sales, as Rob highlighted there, good yield, dividend yield. It looks like four and a half percent, fully franked. Uh, you know, they acquired, as I said, this blue store for thirteen million, which it won't have an it has an material impact on earnings there. Um, sales last year was 19 million, uh, whereas the the group sales are 827 million. Mm. Um, and Brett Lundy uh, is set to rejoin is to re set to rejoin the um, the board, and he'll have 18 uh, percent of total shares on issue. So it looks like it's a pretty tight register as well, shareholders. Um, so look, this is I, I agree with uh, Rob on this one. I think this is an accumulate a hold accumulate on a pullback I buy on a pullback um, just look in the chart it could you know if it pulls back to about two dollars fifty uh, or even even lower actually two dollars twenty two dollars thirty that would be a good buying level so we'd be rushing to buy it right now but it certainly as Rob said accumulate on a pullback okay all right um, David Susie wants a view on tiny beans and says, will anything come of their partnership with Lego? Uh, well, just on that, Susie, um, um, Lego just has renewed in the last month or so their relationship with uh, Tiny Beans. It's a social media platform uh, which enables families and friends to connect. It's sort of a, a more secure version or a, a smaller version of a, a Facebook thing where families can can share uh, photos and videos and the like. It's just announced it's going to go for a NASDAQ listing um, and work towards it in the near future because most of its revenue now comes out of the United States. So, um, David, what do you think of Tiny Beans? Well, Tiny Beans, uh, it's got a tiny market cap yep. of uh, $64 million. Uh, Look, revenue growth was impressive, up 100 Eight percent to eight eight point two million. Um, their margins are not there's not much margin in their in their uh, in their business in their products. They're they're, they're promoting these these um, brand names uh, like Lego and others. I mean, just looking at their earnings before interest tax and depreciation for the first half of twenty one, it was three hundred seventeen thousand. Second half five hundred eighty six. Thousand market cap of about I think 64 million. So, um, look, it's not one for my money. It's just too small, too illiquid. I had a closing balance of only two million, two point two million in the bank. Um, that was down from 3.6 million. They're mostly making some, you know, investing in some growth assets. But the cash flow statement, I mean, they're, they're operating negative from the previous quarter. 
of nearly you know, 500,000 negative cash flow. So, um, yeah, look, it's just too small for, for my liking. And um, I'd like to see more traction on the business and, and translating to the bottom line and growth yeah, there. Yeah. But I uh, wanted to keep on the watch list, but, yeah, just, just too yeah. small. Um, Rob, what do you think? The, the deal with Lego is basically an advertising deal, isn't it, that Lego um, advertise on their platform? Yeah, that's right. It's actually the renewal of an existing contract. It was first um, picked up by Lego uh, back in 2019. So it's the second renewal uh, and allows them to advertise their um, uh, the products through there that they've got, uh, their, their Duplo products. So I think they'd run some um, questionnaires of their users and found that, you know, previously there was about 65% of the Tiny Beans uh, consumers um, were likely to, to purchase Lego's Duplo products uh, and that now that they've, it's up to about 80% favourable opinion of the brand. So it, it makes sense for Lego to get involved in them. And, um, you know, I, I understand the model that they're trying to run. But I have some concerns about it, and, and because of that, I wouldn't be uh, telling clients to get involved. If I had it, and I was happy to take on the risk and uh, you know monitor it during you know, some periods of uh, high illiquidity, then um, sure I could hold it. But otherwise, I wouldn't be getting involved in it. Um, one of the big concerns to me are, are the barriers to entry. You know, as you said, it's it's like Facebook. Um, it's basically just a, a platform that's allowed uh, families to share photos and videos of their children on a safe place. Now, I couldn't see anywhere that said Tiny Beans did not own the rights to the uh, images. Uh, unlike Facebook, we all know that you post a photo there and, and Facebook owned that photo. Um, they, they are growing and they, they did report their best quarter yet, but, um, you know, then they're compounding at 58% over the last five years. Um, but it's still not enough growth for me for this type of risk that you're taking on. Uh, their subscriber base only increased by 16% year on year. And I'm looking for something in triple digits to take on this kind of risk. Uh, and with retention rates at um, 88%, it sounds good, but actually means they're losing 12% of their business every year, and yet they're, they're still only getting growth of 16%. So it's, it's a miss for me. Uh, I wouldn't be getting involved. If you have to take the risk, sure, but you really got to understand if you've got the stock, what those risks are. Um, you know, with very low barriers to entry, uh, it's a potential yeah. risk that maybe one of the large global conglomerates would come in and just um, you know smack them out of the ballpark. Yep, good point. All right, uh, Rob Jody wants a view on uh, Challenger, the uh, investment management group specialising in retirement products and annuities and um, life insurance products. Uh, recently had a, um, a big strategic interest taken in it by the Athena and Apollo group out of the, the United States that have, have a similar business. Um, what do you think of Challenger? Yeah, I really like it. Um, you know, it's not the exact same space as, um, uh, you know, Suncorp and QBE uh, that we spoke about at the beginning of the show, but uh, still in that, in that financial space, uh, someone who takes advantage of rising uh, yield curves. So, yeah, we, we really like um, Challenger. It would be a definite accumulate for us, for anyone who didn't have it in the portfolio. Um, you know, people need to understand they're actually the fourth largest uh, global pension player in the market. So, um, you know, when things do rebound favourably for them, uh, it'll do quite well. Uh, I think people have also forgotten that uh, it is on the government's agenda to make people even more uh, self-sustaining uh, in their retirement. 
and uh, there have been discussions about making it mandatory that anyone who has a self-managed super fund actually hold a, a certain amount of that money in an annuity product, uh, which obviously would help uh, Challenger significantly. So, um, yeah, we're, we're a long-term um, holder of, of the stock and we'd, we'd comfortably accumulate at these levels. Okay. David? Uh, I guess this is what makes a market. Um, I'm not a buyer <laughs> of this one. Um, I prefer others. Uh, you know, the, look, Challenger hasn't impressed on past results, their numbers, um, you know, return on equity and, and revenue growth has been really, really lackluster. Um, you look at their, their guidance, their recent guidance here in June, that uh, saying it's at the bottom end of their target range, which is about, uh, I'm just trying to find the numbers here. But it's anyway, it's about 340 million, I think. Um, they are their guidance for next year is higher. Um, you know, they again. This is in the retirement income area, so higher yields, bond yields, would certainly help the annuity business mm. a lot. So again, it all depends on bond yields for me. Um, same, very much like QBE. If they uh, if bond yields start moving higher, then I'll become more positive on Challenger. But in the meantime, um, just on their valuation, their metrics, um, it's just not one that uh, sticks out for me. But you know, they've got a positive outlook for the next 12 months. So, um, you know, if you've got it, you probably hold it. But yeah, it's not a buy for me. Okay, and also one of those stocks. Everyone talks about increasing bond yields and inflation coming back and and too much stimulus going into the global economy, David. So. If that eventuates, it's these insurance companies and financial investment houses like Challenger that are the benefit to look at then. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and that's the thing that's puzzled the market, I think, more than anything, because we are seeing inflationary precious trends here. Although, you know, the Fed keep the US Federal Reserve keeps saying it's transitory, but if you look at the CPI numbers this Wednesday evening in the US, big number, the CPI number comes out, so watch out for that one. Um, but following on the strong jobs report, so, you know, it's um, interesting to me that uh, bond yields have since January went down and after shooting up and now they're coming, they're starting to move back up again. So just watch those CPI numbers coming out this week, I think, in the US and, and bond yields. And yeah, that's that's the gauge as far as I'm concerned. Okay. All right. Let's recap the uh, the first five stocks as we go through. Stock of the day was uh, Suncorp. Um, I know from Rob, he prefers uh, QBE in this area. Um, David is suggesting a switch out of Commonwealth Bank and some of the other big banks uh, into, into Suncorp, so quite likes it at these prices and after the result this morning. Uh, BHP, a buy from both. Uh, Fluence, uh, a no from Rob, a yes from David. Accent Group, uh, both like it, but on a pullback. Um, so if, if you've got it, hold Accent, but if you can get it around that $2.20 mark on a pullback there, it starts to look pretty attractive. Tiny Beans, a no, and uh, Challenger, a yes from Rob, and a no from David. Um, here at the call, we're following our own fantasy portfolio. Uh, we've been tracking it since the 1st of July last year. Uh, thanks to our partner, NabTrade. Any stocks that get a two, thumb, uh, two thumbs up, uh, a yes, like BHP's just got from our expert panel, goes into the calls portfolio. Let's see how it's performing over the last week. 
week up 0.86% uh, for the last month, up 2%. And since the 1st of July um, last month, um, we're up two and uh, a third percent. Take a look at some of the stocks recently added. Uh, Nick Scarly, Sydney Airport, Osco Healthcare, Appen and Monash IVF. Uh, some of the stocks remove Evolution Mining Premium and McMahon. Uh, you can check out all the stocks in the calls portfolio if you want to see all of them that are in there. Um, go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Let's get uh, into the, uh, the second half of the call and um, the next stock comes from Sean. Uh, Rob, Sean wants a view on Washington H. Sol Patterson uh, saying the recently proposed merger with Milton. Uh, is this a hold and does it have long-term prospects? Now, basically Solpats is an investment company even though uh, a chemist chain is named after it. It, it is an investment company. Uh, five key investments, New Hope Corporation, the, the big coal group. Um, TPG has got a big um, interest in Brickworks as well and Round Oak Mineral Sands and Milton Corporation and it um, have agreed to merge, likely to be finished by the end of October. Um, what do you think, Rob, of Washington Seoul uh, Pattinson? Yeah, so I think this is the one that um, there, there's a differing opinion depending on whether you're a technical analyst and a fundamental analyst. Uh, you know, the fundamental guys are saying that, look, it's just not there. Um, you know, they're not totally uh, convinced with the, um, you know, the makeup of the holdings that they've got there. You know, 83% of their revenue drives itself from their investment in New York, uh, New Hope Corporation, uh, which obviously is doing quite well at the moment, being in, um, you know, oil and gas and, uh, coal mining. Um, however, uh, uh, you know, technically, you know, it, it's fine. It's, it's in an uptrend. It's not the strongest uptrend in the world. Um, you could probably, uh, it's in the middle of a pullback at the moment, but if you saw it, um, find the bottom there on the pullback and start to turn back up again, technically we'd be involved. But, um, you know, for, for the longer term here, we're, we're looking at the, te uh, the fundamentals. And so from a, a fundamental perspective, we, we would lighten it, um, despite the fact that, um, yeah, look, there are a few uh, good numbers, metric numbers at the moment. We just don't think they're sustainable. So the dividend payout ratio at the moment is about 15%. The price earnings model is on eight times compared to the, the sector at 22. So short term, sure, there might be some more upside, which is what the technicals are playing to. But in the long term, uh, it's not like we would we want to be getting invested at this point in time. Um, look, that that whole scheme of arrangement that they've got going on with Milton, um, you know, look, they in their own right are investment manager with about $3.7 billion in assets globally. So, uh, and I think they've got about $300 million cash reserves. So once that deal goes through and we can reassess what other investments are being held by the larger company, sure, we might come back and revisit. But right. until that deal goes through, we can get some more clarity on the actual assets being held. Uh, we'd probably just trade it purely from a technical perspective, which for the moment is okay, but if things change, we'd be out of it straight away uh, okay. until the fundamentals cleared up. No, that's interesting. So wait until after the, the deal goes through. They're saying the merged company uh, will put it in the top 50 listed uh, groups with a market cap of almost 11 billion Australian dollars. So. Uh, Got a, going to be a big merged organisation. David, what do, you, what do you think of Soul Pats and Milton coming together? They, they've had this sort of 
Troika, haven't they? Solpats, Brickworks and Milton to protect each other for quite a while. Yeah, look, it, it does, um, you know, certainly put them up in that higher category. As Rob pointed out, the $11 billion merged group. I mean, right now, Solpats is 7.6 and and, um, and and Melton's just under $4 billion. They've got about $3.8 billion in assets under management, Melton. Great deal for shareholders in Melton, by the way, because they're... Um, I think the offer is valuing it with the dividend that the Milton shareholders getting, um, which is about fifty-two cents. Um, with this, they receive the fully frank dividend plus um, this um, share swap. Uh, they're getting around six dollars when the NTA value is around pre-tax five dollars forty-six for Milton Corporation, and um, uh, post-tax it's like even lower, four dollars sixty-seven. Mm. So great deal for Milton shareholders to accept this uh, merger. It does create, you know, um, as I said, more diversification, a bigger group. Um, I, I, just the valuation uh, for me here with Sol Pats, even after the post consolidation of this, I mean, we're 45 times earnings. I'm looking at their their um, return on equity has been below par for me. It's been the 8% average over the last two, three years. So it, it just doesn't warrant a, a valuation up here of 45 times earnings multiple, so it's way too expensive for me. Um, I, I definitely would not be interested unless it was 10 or 20, even 20% lower from here. It's very much driven by the, the market as well. So if the market pulls back, then you'll see a pullback, of course, in salt patents and, and other um, you know, listed investment corporations as well. So um, it's just too expensive. Um, great, like I said, great deal for Milton shareholders, uh, but uh, you know, not a buy at this stage. Okay. All right. Um, David, Katie wants a view on Air New Zealand. Uh, Katie says, would I be able to get the opinion on this one? News they have cut full-year guidance. Are these stocks just too risky with the never-ending lockdowns? (laughs) That's an easy question to answer, isn't it? I mean, yes, in short. I mean, you know, what's Buffett used to always say? If you want to lose money, buy an airline. Yep. you know, and you know, there's a recovery trade here at some point. But look, if you're going to do that, I'd be stick. I'd rather choose Qantas than Air New Zealand. Um, you know, you just don't in this space. You just don't go there. The chart is negative. They're negative earnings. Uh, obviously, they're you know not paying dividends. That that's suspended, of course. So look, how long do we you know do we stay in lockdown and, and you know and then they have this trans trans bubble. Between Australia and New Zealand, and then when we open up, you know, it all depends on vaccinations, of course. That um, look, it's just a too hard space for me. I, I, I just can't go there. Um, so leave it, stay out of it, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Okay, um, but then, David, you've got sort of big infrastructure funds chasing the airports rather than the airlines. Are they? Are they a better bet, if you like, better investment? And particularly if you care, compare Air New Zealand with, say, Auckland Airport, which um, they're a different beast. They're in the same sort of travel sector, but at least Auckland yeah. Airport owns the land and is developing that and has the property side to it as well. I think, I think in answer, short answer, probably yes. Uh, however... You know, there's a lot of desperate uh, search for yield out there, Koshi, that, you know, what they're paying 
for, you know, what you're paying for Auckland Airport and Sydney Airport, I mean, everything will change or will get reset with uh, yields, depending on where bond, you know, again, interest rates yeah. go, um, and where bond yields go. So it's not a space, I mean, there's a desperation for yield out there, but at what price? And I'm just seeing some ridiculous valuations and prices that are, to me, not pricing in any risk whatsoever of higher interest rates. What's interesting, I looked at a graph the other day, and there's a 41-year cycle. When you go back to the late 30s, the end of the late 30s, you know, we went to, it was about 2%, and then the peak was about 15.5% uh, in the US. Um, and then since then, 41 years later, here we are back at the extreme low, and we've never been this low hmm. ever in the cycle in history. So, you know, you're facing, to me, buying infrastructure assets at very low yields at high valuations, to me, is very risky. Right. Yeah, it really is okay. high risk. That's interesting. Um, Rob, what do you think of Air New Zealand? Oh, look, um, this one just rang, uh, you know, the, the first bell that we have in the office. And there's a saying we have, um, and the, um, the PG version of that saying is sell sell quickly, sell quickly now. Um, the, the shock, the, the, the technicals look terrible on this one. Um, you know, wouldn't be surprised if the stock drops from 140 to 120 um, anytime soon. Um, look, what, what you're saying about the airports, you know, that really is like diversification, isn't it? You know, the Air New Zealand is just the single airline. The airports have multiple airlines operating within them. We take it one step further and our pick in this space is actually Webjet, uh, which has its pick of carries across multiple um, airlines uh, as well as, or airports, uh, as well as uh, motels and, and you know their whole Webjet business. So um, yeah, Air New Zealand is a very easy sell for us. Um, we'd give the general advice to do it and do it very quickly. Uh, and if you're wanting to keep exposure to the space, so take something like a, a web uh, jet, uh, much better um, diversified business uh, and has already shown that it's got the support of institutions globally, both both domestically and over in Europe as well. So web jets instead of uh, AIZ for me. Okay. All right. Uh, Rob, uh, Ellie uh, wants a view on Maine Pharma, the, uh, the pharmaceutical company. Uh, Basically, uh, manufactures uh, generic brand pharmaceuticals, doesn't it, for a, a whole bunch of different clients, uh, uh, both here and also in the United States. What do you think of Maine Pharma? Yeah, look, this has been a long-term disappointment for us. Um, always felt as though the next um, FDA approval for one of their drugs is just around the corner. Inevitably, something always comes along and derails it. Uh, at the moment, they're waiting FDA approval for the uh, next cell, uh, cells, uh, which is one of their uh, flagship products. It's, it's potentially the largest revenue opportunity for the company. Um, but with that being said, you know, half on half, we've seen um, their revenue decline 8%. We're seeing EBITDA down 16%. Uh, and then the, the big flag for us was actually looking at the remuneration packages of companies. Uh, you know, we're looking for management to uh, align themselves with the best interest of the shareholders. Mm. And during COVID, um, they've had this opportunity. Uh, you know, I think one of the companies I've, I talked about on the um, you know, stock of a lifetime uh, that we had a couple of weeks ago was, was Atomos, where you know, we talked glowingly about how management had, had cut their remuneration. Uh, they'd put on hold all their bonuses and things like that. 
when we looked at Maine Pharma, they've actually gone the opposite way. Uh, the, the total remuneration packages for the CEO and the CFO uh, are both increased in this post-COVID environment mm -hmm. compared to what it was in the pre-COVID environment. And for a company that's, um, you know, results have been quite abysmal, um, I just don't see how that's aligning itself with shareholders. In fact, um, they, they, I think the CEO's got a salary of just over 2 million, 2.7, sorry. Uh, the CFO is just over 1 million. So we're talking about $3.7 million in salary um, being paid out to two people when the total net profits of the firm only add up to 25.7 million. So these two people are taking a, a you know total remuneration about 14% of the company. Um, for a company with a market cap of you know over half a billion dollars, I'm not sure if that's um, a company I would want to get invested into. So too many red flags for me. Uh, we'd sell it. Um, you know, good luck to them getting their their drugs FDA approved and showing that they're actually getting revenue coming through. Obviously, they've battled. Um, you know the the lower margin business that's happening in the generic space at the moment. So they really need this um, you know IP product to come through. But for us, we we couldn't touch it. We'd get out of there really quickly and and wait for things to actually turn around for the business before we looked at it again. Okay, uh, David. Yeah, look, I can't, I can't add much more to what Rob said, but yeah, it's really underperformed. As he said, the market and the share price has just gone south since what the peak in 2016, where I think it hit two dollars, and here we are around 30 cents, and that just shows in the numbers. You know, it's a really poor return on equity, just just poor management of this business. Uh, uh, you know, it's just there's nothing glowing about it. There's also there's just an announcement actually last week. There's a class action proceeding. Um, it looks like for. Um, Finney McDonald for the planet and behalf of people who any anybody any investor who acquired the shares between 24th of November 2014 to the 15th of December 2016 so that class action has just been um, uh, served uh, against the company in this and in the Supreme Court of Victoria so it's another reason to avoid it right now of course the company says they, they'll vigorously defend the the proceeding but it just really, um, you know, they've got some some products here. They they seem to be focusing on. I mean, their net reported loss was 181 million after write-offs of you know R and D and intangibles, but they seem to be focusing on dermatology, women's health, and um, and also uh, contract services as well. But they've got this oral um, contraceptive, which they're waiting to get FDA approval on. So. Look, it's it's just the the track record speaks for itself, and yeah. um, management has just done a poor job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it's a great example, and you both put it put it really well. That uh, it doesn't matter how good the company is if it's if it's got bad management, and if management isn't aligned to shareholders uh, building wealth, you you've got to scratch your head a bit. It seems fairly fundamental. Um, all right, David, uh, Meg wants a view on Wham Capital, the, uh, the listed investment company, uh, um, looking at um, um, investing in sort of top end of town, Wilson Asset Management, um, it's shortened from. What do you think of Wham Capital? Uh, yeah, look, I, the great performance. I mean, you know, um, it, it, the, the company's really uh, had some great numbers here. Obviously, with the highest stock market, uh, that's improved their performance. 
I mean, they've got $1.9 billion under management. They are trading at a premium to NTA before tax. Their NTA before tax just reported at the end of June was $1.89. I think the share price is, what, $2.22 to $23. that's a big premium. <laughs> um, are listed investment companies usually that, that bigger premium? Um, only when they, you know, when they're performing, and, and Jeff Wilson has, of course, in his team, um, have really outperformed the uh, ordinaries index and uh, whatever the benchmark they're using, they've certainly outperformed the index. So, you know, when, when a fund manager is outperforming the index like they are, and they're quite convincedly, it's actually double, I think, uh, from last time I looked at it. So in that case, it does, it does warrant trading at a premium to NTA. Um, you know, he's started this, uh, he's, uh, this other fund he's just started where he's looking to buy a dollar of assets. Uh, this is a separate fund altogether. I think it's called the Strategic Value Fund. For he's looking to buy a dollar value worth of assets for 80 cents, which is pretty smart. Um, so at this price, I wouldn't be rushing to buy it. Plus, it's got a fantastic dividend, a uh, fully frank yield, uh, yield. They just announced they're 15 and a half cents. So they're on 7% fully frank. So great, um, great dividend. So this is a hold. Uh, I'd like to buy it on a pullback closer to the value. It just shows me on the chart as well at the moment. It could easily pull back towards that $2 level, um, you know, that, that may be a level to watch and to accumulate, but I wouldn't be rushing, I'd be holding it, but I wouldn't be rushing to buy it right now, and especially with my view about the market and the impending correction, you could pick yep. this up for be a lot lower. Okay. Um, well managed. Yeah, look, um, I think we, we broadly agree. Um, it's not something that I'd rush out and buy today. You know, there is a, a large premium at the moment, over net tangible assets, about um, uh, 17%. Uh, the other thing that we'd, we'd highlight is to say there's no uh, compelling reason to go out and get it from a valuation perspective compared to its peers. Uh, it's currently on a 24.1 times multiple. Peer group is 24.8. So uh, there's no reason to, to run out and get that. Uh, look, they are doing some good things as far as their performance relative to the uh, the market, but you'll see that they're, uh, they don't have the highest level of correlation to the market either uh, because, you know, they, they quite frequently step away from uh, holding, you know, the, the index, you know, with, with that whole 99% yeah. correlation like an ETF does. So you really are trusting the management to be able to pick the stocks correctly. They had huge outperformance from 1999 to 2009. It was incredible outperformance. The outperformance is still okay, but it's it's come back in again uh, with the heightened kind of um, divergence away from the correlation that the market is. Uh, we we couldn't be rushing out and buying. In fact, if you held it right now, we'd be looking to trim it. Uh, from that technical perspective, we've seen it, it fell below the 200-day moving average. It came up, retested it, rejected it again. Uh, I, I totally agree with David that this stock could get down towards the $2 level. Uh, it's at 221 at the moment. They're supported 214. They're supported 208, and then it's down to $2 which would make sense, right? That, that $2 yeah. is a significantly smaller discount to net tangible assets. So uh, yeah, we, we couldn't get involved here. We, we'd advise people to trim it. And if it gets back down towards net tangible assets and we've had the, the pull off of the market that David's looking for, then sure, maybe then we could look at it. Um, but for the time being, uh, we'd be looking at something like a, a Magellan for clients to get involved in okay. rather than um, Wilson Asset Management. All right. Um... Rob, our final stock, Scott wants a view on Pilbara Minerals, the uh, 
the big uh, lithium and tantalum producer. Um, they've got their, their project just out of Port Hedland in the Pilbara region. A lot of people, when they think, oh, Pilbara Minerals must be iron ore, or this one's not. Um, company has had a great result over the, uh, the last financial year, big increase in share price. Um, uh, Rob, what do you think of uh, Pilbara Minerals? I yeah, really like it. Uh, it's a lithium play. It's done really well. Uh, it's probably run a little bit too quickly for us at the moment. Uh, it, we would try best we could to get involved in a, in a pullback. Um, you know, a lot of these lithium names are really starting to have their second win and to, to go quite quickly. Um, you know, th there's another lithium name that we've had our eye on uh, for quite some time now. We're involved in the in the IPO, and, and that's a company called Pan Asian Metals. Look, that's run 60% in the last month or so as well. Wow. But uh, we feel as though that particular name might be a better um, name if you have to take on the volatility. Uh, we believe that their lithium project is going to be ahead of schedule and, and releasing a, a Jork uh, resource announcement in the next uh, one to two months. So that's where our money would go for lithium exposure, uh, outside of something like a, a mineral resources, of course. Um, but uh, if we had more room in the portfolio to add additional lithium exposure, then we'd have no problems uh, picking up Pilbara Minerals, but we would like to have a, a pullback on that uh, mm. before we stepped in. Okay. What was your preference, Pan-Asian? Pan-Asian Metals, P-A-M right. is our preference. It is a small cap, mm. low liquidity, um, but they've got some incredible uh, projects going on over in Southeast Asia. They've mm. just doubled down on their um, extraction projects of the lithium, uh, moving one of their um, uh, teams off the okay. Tungsten project. Um, so that should come as a chalk resource the next uh, one or two months, I'd say. Okay. David, um, Pilbara Minerals? Yeah, well, this one's been on a tear. So, uh, from last year, from March last year, it was below 20 cents to over $2 right now. Yep. Uh, look, it's it's just um, the valuation up here. Great lithium producer, but the big but here, you're paying like $6 billion valuation up here. Uh, they had their, their reported half year loss in December was 21 million. And look, lithium carbonate, carbonate prices have have doubled from, from uh, November about 40,000 to where it is today, 92,500 per tonne. Now, that sounds attractive, but look, I look at in this commodity space, and I love commodities, it's the area that I love to play in. I look at, well, where am I going to get the biggest bang for my dollar? And I've been saying this for some time, like I said, the, the iron ore space, where they're getting like two, 300% margin, at least a couple hundred percent margin on the price, which is more than what lithium producers are getting right now, that's for sure. Mm. But they're paying way ahead. They're paying far too much in the share price right now. It's the story that's driving it. Everybody's excited. There's no doubt lithium is, is growing. The demand for lithium is growing. However, how much are you willing to pay for it? Um, yeah. I wouldn't be chasing it. I wouldn't be buying. I'd pull back and maybe look at it. But I like, um, you know, mineral resources. That would be the one in the space that I would be buying. Uh, there's this this merger between Galaxy and um, uh, Ar Aracobra uh, going ahead. Uh, so that would be bigger players. Uh, but look, it's just too yep. way too expensive at six billion. <laughs> there is a there is a limit. Uh, Rob Caller from Macro. Thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Likewise, David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Great to have you aboard, fellas. Have a great week. Thank you. Thanks, David. You too.
Uh, let's recap our final um, five stocks. Uh, Sol Pattinson, uh, it's merging with, with Milton. Um, um, neither Rob or David would, uh, would look at Sol Pattinson at the moment. Wait to see after the merger is completed and, and how things fall out. Uh, Air New Zealand, a no from both um, in that travel sector. Rob prefers Webjet and, and David Qantas. Uh, Main Pharma, a no from both. Uh, Wham Capital, uh, a hold from both of them. It's a listed investment company that's trading at a significant premium to its asset valuation. If it dropped um, the share price down to around $2 closer to its asset valuation, it's a great performer. Uh, David would be interested. Uh, Rob would prefer an ETF. Uh, Pilbara Minerals, both of them like Pilbara Minerals, but the share price is way too high at the moment. Um, Rob would prefer Pan-Asian Metals and, uh, and David Mineral Resources is uh, a better alternative for him. Uh, that's our show for today. Hopefully you've, you've enjoyed it. If you've got any stocks you'd like us to cover, put them in an email to us, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using at TV handle. Uh, a reminder to check out all the stocks in the Calls Fantasy portfolio there at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want to sign up to the newsletter, which gives you a full wrap of the day of business and markets, you get a link to uh, um, the Close of Business podcast, also the most popular interviews on the platform during the day. You get Scuddy's view. You can subscribe osbiz.co forward slash the COB. That's it from us for this edition of The Call. Back same time tomorrow at midday Eastern as we go through another 10 of your suggested stocks. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.